All right. Well, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, we have a a special, a new new show, another new show. Again, new show times two, three, two. The new 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 show of the new show of the old new show. <laughs> uh, right, welcome it's a different to... show. We're not... <laughs> yeah, 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 different. Too show, much different rabbit show. hole. So, uh, welcome to the other half. It's a podcast about a podcast. Uh, discussing the background and essentially the need to knows of the the half luck D D story um uh, so today i'm joined by shade a pod pod cassette yes exactly uh <laughs> today i'm joined by shade you take after high school <laughs> something like that huh? uh shade is the dm of the half luck team and, and story the the writer of the story overall and in a sense, kind of like the deity of all the deities, right? I am I mean, a merciful god. Some would say that, maybe. Um, Adonis won't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's played with me before, he knows. I, I can be nice, but more often than not, I'm like, what happens to you happens to you. Let's go. <laughs> you, you put yourself in this situation and I am not getting you out of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> i support that so i mean you know it is what it is um so anyway uh the idea behind the other half is uh it's kind of like a what goes on behind the scenes sort of sort of uh podcast right so um i get to act as interviewer even though i'm part of the story uh in in that i am theron um <laughs> one of the player characters get a little theron uh, voice right there I don't know. I don't know about that. I, you know, it's been so long. Maybe he's got a different voice. Who knows? I, <laughs> I may have forgotten. No, I <laughs> constantly have been reworking, re-listening, and figuring out how we can update. Um, so we have some fun little recording uh, bots and stuff going on now that I think we're all squared away for, for the next session. Um, but anyway, uh, so we're going to be playing a little bit of golf with friends in the background. Uh, to keep Shade preoccupied and, you know, make him almost like hot ones, except for it's not very spicy. It's just golf. Uh, <laughs> I will still get equally as red in the face because this game is infuriating. It's like spicy on the hands and brain, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, jeez. And I am mayonnaise. Can't handle my spice. So let's answer the age old question. If we're half luck, what's the other half? what is the other half yeah i don't know what what do you think i guess we can open with that what do you think is the other half while i find a map that we can play on here uh if an adventuring party is half luck uh my experience both as a DD player and a dm and through creating fuck how many do i have like 28 different characters now of my own uh half luck means the other half is bullshit <laughs> just plain and simple like any game of D is just that old animated film the road to el dorado it's you're either half lucky or you just bullshit your way through everything there is no in between <laughs> so so half luck and then this is just bullshit all right cool. oh wow i went sailing <laughs> Oh, the hole's in the middle. What is that? It is actually the worst. Um, so getting started with the first uh, official question, um, with one session down so far, which we split into two episodes, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, 
so far the group has solved uh, a fun little mystery and gotten to know each other a little bit more. Um, but I was wondering if you can give us some background on that small starting town that we found our crew in. Uh, what made you pick this setting? And, and can you tell us the history? So the why I chose the setting, uh, the first thing is, can I remember the name of my own city? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh i need to pull that up really quick to make didn't sure didn't think I... there'd be a pop quiz huh <laughs> yeah no not at all uh campaigns i've got massive massive dnd folder that covers everything here we go uh so first let me dance around that question by saying uh and this is something you guys never see nobody that watches will ever see oh my f stars um, I name all of my campaigns, and uh, the name of the campaign always gives some insight into what you as the players can expect. Uh, because at one point I was running three, four different campaigns at once. And currently the only active campaign that I have is the Discord campaign, which is you guys, named Discordance. And that's all you're getting with regards to the name of the campaign. Oh man, I'm so bad at this game. Um, now then, as to why I chose this starting place, uh, this was the elvish uh, wood elf town of Meadras. Um, this is the hometown of the party's wizard, Penelope Starflower. And the reason I chose this town as a starting town, I'll answer that first. Uh, the reason I chose this town as our starting town is because when going through the character creation with everybody, um and le learning all of the characters personalities and fleshing out you know why would they adventure what's important to them sort of deal i got a birdie eat it oh my god i'm uh, literally the worst at this <laughs> um without let me definitely specify this without speaking for any of the players uh what my wow you're bad what know. what my understanding of the personalities is to like give a brief summary of everyone um theron is like the he's like uh he's the he's the smarts he's the i travel for family and i travel for intelligence so loyalty and intelligence is what i've like kind of picked up for theron um adonis don't go in the hole don't go in the hole i'm so bad uh, Adonis uh, is the truth seeker, as I like to call him. He is the one that is searching for answers. He has this bit of information that he's looking for, and that's why he left home to go find it. Uh, <laughs> Otto, dear boy, our good friend Otto, or as he will come to be known in the campaign, Cloak, uh, he's anyone that's played D&D will back me on this. He's the resident rogue. He's the trash panda. He just woke up one day and realized he was sleeping in an alleyway and was like, hey man, I can sleep in alleys anywhere and get rich in the process. So he's just kind of traveling just to travel. I hate this hole so much. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> I hate it too. No! <laughs> <That's> so bad. <laughs> and uh, lastly, we have Penelope, who does not travel. Penelope um her player uh v actually gave me the summary of her personality quite handedly in that she is very antisocial does not like people at all 
she is absorbed in her books. Uh, she likes to read books. She likes to write books. Being a wizard, she kind of have to learn how to write a book. And um, in keeping in line with her wood elf heritage, she is also going to cast fireball on this hole, I hope. <laughs> uh, she's also very intimate and friendly with uh, woodland creatures, animals, um, and the like. Um, and so I said, okay, I need to have a reason to get the four people, these four people together adventuring. What is that reason? What can I do? And so I looked at the four personalities. I looked at the, what drives each character. And I realized, okay, well, the most important thing is to honestly get Penelope out of her shell. Cause otherwise there is no adventuring party. There's the, there's the sausage fest of the three dudes running around. And so I said, okay, so we need to start in her hometown because she has to have a specific reason to leave home. And so I sat down with her and I said, okay, I need, what does your family do? Tell me about your parents and I'll handle the rest. And she told me about her parents. She's like, yeah, dad's like somewhat important in Wood Elf society. There's not really too much, uh, along the lines of like importance and civilization and stuff you'd find that sort of stuff more in high elf cities and um so i was like wood elves they're pretty simple most wood elves tend to gravitate towards druidity and rangers if they adventure at all um so i was like so okay i can get away with a pretty small town <laughs> i made it you did not bow before me <laughs> give me that doctorate <laughs> No. Oh, okay. You can keep it. I just massively screwed myself. Bump me. <laughs> uh, and so that's why we started there. Um, I don't know. Do you kind of want me to go in into that first quest? Was that like the second part of the question, or? Uh, not necessarily the quest just yet. Although I, I'd be super interested in your thoughts on kind of what was your what was your goal behind that first quest. I, I guess we can jump into that. Um, My... I was mostly asking about geography and topography. Ah, geography and topography. Okay, so uh, as we had talked about before, my world is two major continents that players will ever see and a third landmass known as the islands. The town of Meadras is... I wound up on the next hole. What is this? <laughs> uh, town of Meadras is on the continent of Song, which is the uh, larger of the two continents. Circle in the drain! I got a bogey. <laughs> uh, larger of the two continents. No, smaller of the two continents. However, it's more populated. Um, Meadras kind of sits in a light foresty region. I say light foresty because, like, when you think, when I think, when I hear the word forest, I think, like, Amazon rainforest. You know, I think, like, big scale forest i don't think anything small by any conceivable means but it's definitely larger than like woods sure. uh, despite the nomenclature of wood elves um i won't uh unfortunately for you i will not be going into like what is around meadras because that's coming into play in the next couple sessions okay um but suffice it to say it is on the southern portion 
of Song, uh, which is way less populated than the northern portion of that continent. I see. There's definitely no Olive Gardens uh, in in the south. No, we have covered that in the first session. No Olive Gardens. There is a very limited supply of breadsticks. <laughs> perfect so i guess then that my next question is kind of off the table i was going to ask uh what what are some other notable towns or areas nearby in this region can you tell us about the world and topography uh i think we could pass on that one since uh, uh i can go over notable locations on the continent just nothing i won't be going into where anything is sure okay so some notable locations on Song is the former, the capital of the former kingdom of Vale, uh, Illuminate. Uh, that is not spelled like a light illuminating. It starts with an E. Mm, okay. Um, no Illuminati on this continent. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Oh, you got a hole in one. You suck. <laughs> Uh, there is the dock town of Sessa, which there are only two docks in the entirety of the world because there's only two continents. Um, sure. The reasoning for only one on each is because on the side of the continent that Sessa is on, the other side of the continent is the Barren Lands, the largest desert in the world. And it... Ah encompasses a large portion of one of the sides of the continent and therefore a dock is pretty much no dice um and the only other city the only other city of note is the city of erisia which uh is very famous in world history because it was attacked twice by a colossal 30 40 50 foot maybe taller a skeletal creature that no one knows anything about. Uh, very famous in world history. Oh, I just phased through that barrel. Uh, last thing on the continent of note is the newly formed Empire of Marin. After um, the end of the Eighth Age, with the death of the former king and queen, the prince at the time decided, hey, you know what? time of the kingdom is over it's time for people to decide their own lives and besides how is it fair for a kingdom to be on one continent and ruling another so he said no more and since then a lot of different kingdoms empires and things of the like have sprung up all across the world wow okay <laughs> Tater from the chat brings up a good point these they sound like uh, valid plot points in the future potentially Anything I say as a DM can always be a plot point. And anything I say as a DM can be 150% worthless trash. It's up to the players <laughs> to decide. Uh, okay, so uh, the players met some interesting characters uh, along the way in their first quest, uh, including an old adventuring party and some loose-lived waiters. <laughs> Who was your favorite character that the players ran into? I would say my favorite that the characters run into, more often than not, some of my favorite characters to play as the DM are the bartenders. Uh, <laughs> they're just the most vocal in terms of they will trash talk anyone. Like, Arcadius, the bringer of destruction to the gods, can walk into their tavern and they'd be like, wipe your fucking feet off when you walk into my building, okay? And, you know, this 
seven foot hulking monstrosity that makes Sauron the Dark Lord quiver in his boots and be like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I see, I see. So definitely the bartender, especially because uh, that one loose-lipped waiter got a pretty stern newspaper smacking when he started spreading rumors. Right, right. I remember that. Yeah, um, I see you, oh. Gengar. You guys didn't meet Tacklebox. You only <laughs> learned of Tacklebox. Don't worry. I have a question about Tacklebox later. Also, almost hit like the equivalent of a hole in one on my second shot. Holy cow. Uh, my first one went out of bounds. But uh, okay, so the innkeeper was your favorite. I, I distinctly remember some some fun sass being being thrown about from the innkeeper. Oh, yeah. She was a sassy lass. Uh, was there any leads in the first quest that you maybe threw at the players or or hinted at, but they just didn't pursue that you thought they might? No, quite the opposite, actually. You guys took every single lead as if it was 100% true. Like, there were even a couple <laughs> red herrings I threw out there, and there was one I made up on the spot that I was like, they can't be stupid enough to pursue this, and you guys did. <laughs> so, was that uh, the uh, relationship one? <laughs> possibly uh but you guys definitely did your due diligence which i am honestly going to attribute to oh i oh, actually forgot collisions toxic. were on i'm so sorry i'm genuinely <laughs> sorry about that um i'm actually going to attribute that due diligence to a combination of Gengar and V, actually, I have always found that new players are the ones that take every single bit of information and treat it as absolute truth. Uh, you and Adonis were the ones that were a bit more wary-eyed, and you were like, okay, is there truth behind this? Is there truth behind this? Because Adonis is you know, a good friend of mine from my active duty days in the Navy and he's played with me before and you've not played with me before, but you've played before. So the two of you were able to kind of suss out, like there might not be truth to this. Uh, but then you, <laughs> you, when V and Gengar were like, let's investigate this. You kind of just got dragged along and you're like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys, you guys went after everything, everything I threw at you, and it was uh, it was actually kind of refreshing. I got to use everything I wrote for that quest line, which another thing any DM will tell you never happens, especially in higher level uh, quest lines. Oh yeah, I absolutely believe that. I I know that's a it's a huge thing that DMs have to account for is drastic veering off, which. Maybe later we'll get to that point, but uh, I think for that first quest, I think you really nailed like a simple first quest as an introductory kind of session uh, for a lot of people. Um, however, what actions do you think uh, the players took that were particularly efficient or, or at least uh, surprised you? What, what were some surprises that they threw your way? Um, so as far as efficient... Uh, the little sting operation you guys set up, I did anticipate that to eventually be an option you guys came to. Um, the problem with that is you didn't necessarily go about it in a way that would have worked, period. <laughs> As in, the game mechanics would not have allowed it. Realistically, it would have never worked. You guys were like, I was like, this is a hat, put it on. And you were like, okay, 
put it on what? And you put it on every single body part except your head. And so that's when eventually one of the NPCs was like, maybe we should put it on our head. <laughs> um, so there was that. Uh, but also, uh, Ortor's little... Or you with your let's pretend fight and then send the gnome inside to go check shit out. That was great. Uh, very wonderfully planned and very terribly executed thanks to that uh, one <laughs> on the dice. But ones always lead to good things. Even if yeah. even if it's a permadeath, you get a story out of it. Absolutely. And I, I think that's kind of at the end of the day how I took it. It was like, you know, at least it was a role that didn't necessarily matter. Um, it, it could have benefited me personally, um, just for the laughs, you know, had I rolled like a 20, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think we'd have a similar situation, just opposite for who gets embarrassed. So had you rolled a 20, day, you probably would have, uh, you probably would have taken him through the door of the building you were trying to sneak into. <laughs> just clean through the door, clean through the door, which would have also worked wonders for the gnome because the dude would have old boy would have just been like what the fuck my door and <laughs> it would have actually had reason to be in there at the time fuck it's well it's like an <laughs> invisible limp on this hole and i fucking hate it <laughs> that's true the uh the rogue got a nat 20 cloak <laughs> Nat twenty on his stealth, yeah, didn't even didn't even sneak. He just walked in because he was like, they're too preoccupied. Uh, however, Gengar, I do I do recall uh, getting like what was that like a seven on your investigation check right after the fact. So yeah. you know, uh, I think it counter out counter counters each other a little bit. That was the efficient or surprising actions. Were there any? particularly inefficient actions like you had said uh you kind of gave us a hat but we didn't wear it what what would you uh what stuck out to you i guess as a oh, why are they doing these things like uh the it was definitely the plan to camp overnight in the in the uh shop you know, really? Uh, yeah. Penelope had said, I've got this alarm spell. It will tell us if anybody walks in. And it seemed like everybody was just like, yeah, we can alarm pretty much anything except the shop. So I don't, like I was saying, I don't remember too much of it. I do remember once it was said like, hey, I've got this spell that'll let us know if there's anyone going in or going out of the shop. I was like, okay, you're on the right track. You guys are doing doing good. Got got a great idea here. Let's 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 roll with it, SpongeBob. Roll with it. And then I just I don't know what happened there. You guys just went every direction around that. <laughs> and so that's when the shopkeeper was eventually like, well, why don't you just put the alarm on my shop and we wait across the street? And at that point, I think I saw some glint in your eye of like oh that's like the most obvious thing in the world yeah <laughs> yeah i know something that i struggled with was you know as theron uh he's a clever boy right but uh not very uh utilitarian in terms of um 
spell choice. Uh, so my my spell selection is very limited as as his class, which I don't think I've said his class yet publicly. So I'm gonna go ahead and keep that one uh, quiet, I suppose. Oh, uh, I suck. However, um, you know, a lot of it that he brings to the table is uh, some nice, solid charisma <laughs> and gumption. So <laughs> he's got a lot of chutzpah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and I definitely wanted to, uh, you know, involve the new players uh, as much as possible. Also, yeah, he's thick. Oh, yeah, um, he's sick. He is sick, boy. He brings a lot of cake to the table. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to, you know, try and include some of the new players as much as possible. And I know that, you know, uh, characters like Penelope are just quiet characters and that's that is their personality. So, yeah, uh, that's something to consider in the future. However, I'm always like apprehensive of, of kind of taking the reins and and grabbing a hold of the whole conversation too much because um, I think it makes it more fun when everyone you know, plays a part. Uh, for those listening to the podcast, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, and in that break, you can think about how you're not watching us on Twitch live at twitch.tv forward slash shadow rockets. Uh, we will see you next time. <laughs> so I think that is a good time to come back from break uh, since we're not looking All... at stuff on screen anymore per se. <laughs> All art is provided by our dear friend Sample Size, the official Half-Luck artist. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Sam, for all of your contributions, and look forward to some additional artwork from Sam in the future. Uh, the very near future. Um, so, without further ado, I guess we can move into questions again, huh? Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that quick mental break. I know, we're exhausting. It's fine. You love it. <laughs> You're so happy that we take your time. Uh, okay, so let's see. Where were we? Uh, what are your plans for this town in the long run? Was this kind of a one-and-done sort of deal, or uh, was that it, you know? Or, or, or you know, is there going to be developments uh, coming up from this town in the future? Currently, the town was one-and-done. As I said, the as far as the storyline goes, the whole purpose of the town was to put a boot in Penelope's ass to say, get out the door, go adventuring. Uh, fuck this. Fuck this entire map. All 18 <laughs> holes of it. Um, currently, the intention for Meadras was a one and done. I see. Okay. Uh, so then, hmm. We'll never get to, you know, learn where, where the kids' parents live. And <laughs> we'll never go back to the same Olive Garden again. Or or Sue Olive Garden. <laughs> Faux Olive Garden. Look, I masturbate loudly. And if you don't like that, you can go to a different Olive Garden, okay? <laughs> I, I saw that I on see. Imager and immediately said, I'm stealing that. That's my new life motto. <laughs> don't go to so... Olive Garden and masturbate, kids. Oh, God. Yeah, we don't condone that kind of behavior, but we no. kind of do, but we don't. Um, not officially, anyway. Wink. Um, <laughs> so... Legal, the law requires that I answer no. Uh, so in terms of ordering, then, if you're if you're listening to this podcast in order, uh, this will fall after no more Olive Garden? Well, 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 hold on. We could go to the north, where Olive Garden reigns supreme. You know what I mean? We'll see. 
<laughs> there's no telling where where we can find unlimited breadsticks just there, not in the, in the southern portion there truly is not because when i created this world i created the two continents the islands and one city on each continent and that's it the rest of the world is still very wide open because i intentionally allow my characters to write their own home cities their own things that happen to them and uh it allows me to flesh out my world with more personality it's not just here's a whole <laughs> blanket of me <laughs> uh okay um so then a little bit of i guess spoilers for the previous episode um well i guess it's previous like i said so you're fine unless you're some weirdo you know listen to all these backwards um so the adventuring squad that the the players met in in their first quest um could you see the old adventuring squad finally sharing some meals together or or chatting together um once again since they effectively seem to have made up at the end of of the quest uh they didn't necessarily make up per se um so the of the four person adventuring party uh of, of these elders uh the two in the town that the party met were the two wood elves in the party they didn't necessarily find peace with one another as much as they came to a better understanding of events that transpired between them and they no longer dislike each other but it's still very much the disgruntled one is very disgruntled and will probably remain disgruntled. <laughs> is this a uh, a notable party? Like, could we stumble across kind of their larger storyline, do you think? Anything is possible. Uh, I have no problem admitting, though, that currently I have no plans. I see. So then <laughs> this was an important question. I want you to know this was this one's in all caps. Um, and I, I think that our, our native cloak uh, will uh, will be very happy about this question. Is this the last that we've heard of tackle bots? <sighs> Had you asked me that before today, the answer would have been yes. <laughs> now i don't have an answer ah ah okay i see uh it is enjoyable to keep you guys on your toes um tackle box tackle box was created for his name period i said i've got an old adventuring party here i need i need something to break up the monotony and the serious tone Let's take a gnome. What's a funny nickname? Tacklebox. <laughs> Done. That's the story of Tacklebox. And then as the story went along and you guys were, you know, completing your quest and uh, doing what you had to do, uh, just more of Tacklebox got fleshed out. And I was like, ah, you know what? This can be kind of enjoyable. Um, I'll actually reference another NPC who's pretty well known in the world as a former adventurer. Uh, one of my favorites to ever portray. Uh, he is an uh, a half orc named Grundle. Um, he <laughs> oh, is <no. laughs> 
He is very strong, very buff, very gay, and pursues men with body types like his. Oh, uh, no. I created Grundle simply to kind of... <laughs> the last long-term campaign I ran was when I lived in San Antonio, and that ran about two years. And that party was stacked with big boys. There were two Goliaths, uh, both barbarians, one of them a fighter barbarian. Uh, and there was a Furbolg, who those are already big, beefy boys. Uh, Goliaths are like meaty, like Theron, like, you know, stacked or fucking, they're mountain men. They're, they're mini giants, basically. Uh, right. Furbolgs are, they're thick boys, you know. Um, but one of them one of the Furbolgs in the party was a druid who eventually multiclassed into Paladin. So they had three beefy boys in that party. And so I was like, oh, I have to have fun with this. And so I created Grundle just to fuck with the three of them. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, it went worlds better than I could have ever hoped because the warlock in that party, who we lovingly referred to as one of the queens, because uh, he was a very fashion-centric warlock, uh, ooh, I saw that shot. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, he was he was casting prestidigitation and giving giving the the three buff party members that like very faint sheen of sweats, making them glisten just enough for Grunzel oh, to be like, no. oh. Um. So, to bring it back to Tacklebox, he's sort of in the same boat as Grundle. I created him for some fun, and the more he came up in the story the more fun he got to be. So we'll see. Have you, you've watched Letterkenny, right? Uh, not a lot, but I know okay. of it. Uh, have you seen like the first season at least and like the second season? Uh, the highlights of them. Okay. There's a recurring joke in Letterkenny that one of the background characters uh, fucked an ostrich. And the more it's brought up, the more insane the story gets. That's kind of the concept with Grundle and Tacklebox. The more they come up, the more intense and the more insane they become. Uh, so look forward to uh, more and more impressive hijinks, I guess, from Tacklebox's perspective. Perhaps. The man to steal the sun. <laughs> here, here's a, an interesting one, and um, you know we can we can go further from from here, but this is the last prepared question that I have. Uh, so bear with me after this point. Uh, I just thought this would be a, an interesting and fun one. Uh, where do you think the characters will develop uh, individually throughout the story? Obviously, it's hard to guess. Uh, everyone's different, and you know, plan the best, best laid plans of mice and men. You know, all, all that jazz. Um, however, where where do you think, if you had to guess, uh, each character individually? So we we can start with. Uh, with, with Theron, I guess, since since I'm here. <laughs> where where do you think Theron will go? My initial thoughts on Theron. Let me preface this with, I have storylines written out for all four characters. Everybody gets their moment in the sun, uh, both as a story arc, because I run my campaigns in story arcs, sort of like manga and anime. Um, both in story arc form and in individual situations. Everybody gets their own chance to shine and show off what they're good at. So completely disregarding everything I have planned and prepared 
and going purely off of the characters, how they've acted, and my initial thoughts on their personalities. Theron gives me Marvel Cinematic Universe Iron Man vibes. Theron gives me the vibes of Captain America looks you in the eyes and says, you're not the person to make the self-sacrifice play. And by the end of it, Theron would. I'm not saying he will or he'll have to, because again, <laughs> this is this is disregarding anything I have written. Absolutely. Uh, but I'm I'm getting the I'm in first, eat it. Uh, that's just that's the vibe I'm getting from Theron. He currently does not seem like the type to make the self-sacrifice, but by the end of the campaign, I feel like he will be the type to do it. Interesting. Okay. I haven't. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I've thought a little bit about where I want him to be, but I haven't thought too far into it. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where he goes. Um. So then let's uh, let's move on to Cloak. How do you think Cloak will develop? Where, where what's Endgame Cloak? Um, I need to throw another preface out there. This exact question I actually ask all of my players because I don't want you to reach. Uh, I don't want to reach the point where I am creating the characters. I don't want. Oh to be the no! One. This yeah, this is more of a speculation. Like yeah, like no, no. I, I definitely get that. I'm just for the for the audience. I want them to be aware. I ask this same question to the players, uh, but I ask it with the caveat of you need to be prepared for anything to change and to adapt to the situations that happen. Uh, two super quick examples on that because it could be important with this party if some of my speculations are correct. My bard. Uh, I originally intended to stay a bard, level 20, all the way through. Uh, but I died, perma-died, twice with that bard. And um, in that world, I was judged by Anubis. The DM had a lot of real-world deities, uh, sort of like like, a, like my world, a, a grab bag of deities. And so I spent a lot of time in the afterlife with Anubis. And after everything that happened to me, I realized, okay, you know what? I would eventually try to strike a deal with Anubis to come back to life for you know my wife and all my other friends. And so that turned my character into a 16th level bard, fourth level paladin. Um, the other quick example, the previous campaign I mentioned, the Furbolg druid who turned into a paladin, same thing. Uh, Kind of backwards, though, because his backstory, uh, I read his backstory, and then I went, uh, are you sure you don't want to be an Oath of Ancients paladin? Because his backstory can be summed up in the words, fuck undead, not in a sexual <laughs> way. Oh. He, he mm. was just like, uh, undead zombies are like the bane of my existence. I exist for them to stop existing. And so <laughs> when I was like, dude, do you want paladin? He was like, no, like, druid is like my family, but I didn't know that that was a thing for paladins the oath of the ancients he was like can i multi-class i was like absolutely and so have have your character especially if you three are listening out there adonis gengar and v have your end game in mind for your characters and be prepared to throw it all out the window and adapt to what happens back to the question uh, Cloak is the most difficult one to answer that question for because he's a rogue. But <laughs> not just because he's a rogue. He is currently uh, 
no <laughs> I was about to say no shade. No me, but you are currently the stereotypical rogue. And if there's one thing I've learned with my first character being a stereotypical rogue, uh halfling, not rogue. Uh, halfling not gnome, I should say. Um rogues, especially chaotic neutral rogues, can literally go any direction. I've seen rogues become paladins. I've seen rogues become warlocks. I've seen rogues stay rogues and become assassins. I've seen rogues uh, pull the Iron Man snap. I've seen rogues pull the Thanos snap on their own party. I've seen every iteration of rogue there is. And he is currently running your tried and true chaotic neutral rogue. Um, and the only reason I bring up his alignment is because he himself divulged that in the last, in the first session. Um, he's the biggest enigma for me so far. It's it's difficult to answer that for Cloak. Best guess, um, I see him kind of sticking true to himself. Stay, stay in the course as he is right now. And figuring out not to sound cliche, but figuring out what's important to him on the way. I see. I see. If I had to equate, if I had to equate the, the four main elements of, of creation, you know, back before periodic table of elements was proposed and people were like, yeah, it's water, air, fire, and earth. Uh, Theron would be the fire because he's, tiefling haha uh but he's also from what i've seen in the party he's got the most passion he's got the most drive um cloak gives me opposite vibes cloak is the water he's very free free flowing he's very i go where i go the trash panda the trash panda a <laughs> uh, little fun fact for you gengar uh i began your D D adventure with this being your first campaign, this being your first character, hole in one feast upon mine rectum. Same. Damn it. Um, <laughs> with this being your first character, your first campaign, I started your D&D adventure the same way mine started. You woke up in an alleyway. That is how my rogue began his, his life in D&D as well. I woke up in an alleyway. <laughs> prostate exam oh no i don't know about that starting point <laughs> um okay so then let's uh let's go we can jump towards uh, another hole Penelope. you can jump towards my butt okay well i did not get that <laughs> penelope uh so penelope ooh penelope Technically, this is the second character. Second character, but from I'm, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I recall you saying this is your first time actually playing. Your first time was like a a very oh, I overshot that hole so hard. All right, well, I must go. My people need me. <laughs> uh, I recall, yeah, it was a one shot, so you didn't really get a lot of value out of that, and. I I personally don't consider one shots to be great character experience. 
they can be good gaming experience depending on the quality of the one shot, but only one shots that are intended to be one shots are really worth getting the experience out of. If it was, hey, we meant for this to be a campaign, but we only did one session and then it stopped, which I think is what happened to you. To me, this is just just my opinion. To me, those are not valuable at all, and I would completely disregard personally anything you got out of that. Uh, but again, that's just me. You don't have to like it, and you don't have to agree with it at all. Uh, <laughs> it's now, tough. It's I tough. learned how to I mean, play. Okay, keep that. A lot of them. <laughs> he said. He said I learned how to play. Keep that. Keep that information. Absolutely. Yeah. It, so, it, you know, a lot of D and D sessions, I feel, go that way. Uh, you know, yeah. a lot of people find out either they're just not that interested in it. Uh, maybe they got a new DM and they don't want to give their DM a chance to kind of learn and grow or, you know, things pop up. We all have jobs. You know, we've all got lives. So and now there's the, the Matt Mercer curse, which he absolutely hates, rightfully so. But it's where Critical Role is probably the biggest D&D stream ever. Yeah. And Matt, uh, who, you know, being a voice actor myself, I hope to work with one day. It would be like the greatest privilege on the planet. Um, but Matt is a legendary DM. Like he's even DM'd for people like Terry Crews and Vin Diesel. Like right. he's just all DMs to an extent can learn something from Matt Mercer. The problem is too many new players see Critical Role. And they're like, holy shit, this is amazing. And they join campaigns and they join parties and they expect Matt Mercer. You're not going to get Matt Mercer. Nobody will give you Matt Mercer except Matt Mercer. Right. I learned. He's been doing it for years. Yeah. I learned very many things on my DMing style. So many parts of it come from what I've learned from watching Matt Mercer. I still cannot give you Matt Mercer. Nobody will give you that but him. And that's the problem is too many people expect him, don't get him. And then they're like, well, this game's fucking trash. And so too many campaigns turn into one shots. Their campaign, I don't think it started two years before the stream. It definitely started before the stream because the stream started, they were like level eight and they're a party of eight. So that's a big deal. Um, or they were a party of eight. They eventually became seven for reasons. Um, but yeah, they're, they played for a while before they started streaming and then they still streamed it for two years. And then campaign number two, I think has been going on for two years now, if not longer. Well, also Matt Mercer himself has been DMing for like 30 years or some obscene. Yeah, they were, they were playing Pathfinder for a very long time before they ported up to fifth edition. And he's, he's also DMing for Force Grey, which is an official Wizards of the Coast campaign and adventuring party. Uh, and that's why you see a lot of Force Grey characters popping in and out of Critical Role, like Archon the Cruel popping into uh, Campaign 1, uh, who mm. is an oh, amazing paladin. I, I wish I could have a character as devastatingly strong as Archon the Cruel. <laughs> my my first warlock, actually, Axis Meldrash, is a um, Pact of the Fiend, uh, Pact of the Blade warlock of baphomet and he's modeled after archon mm. he's a whereas archon's a red dragonborn axis is a brass dragonborn i see 
uh, anyway, to, so to get back to our own, our questions, I don't even remember <laughs> how we got there. Um, Penelope. So Penelope is giving me two sides of a coin vibe. She can go. And any... fuck herself. No. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. She can go any direction, really. She can kind of just stay the way she is. I mean, she's a wizard. A lot of wizards do isolate themselves off and just bury themselves in research in their books. So she could completely stay that way the whole campaign, and it would not be out of character. And she could just be going along for, um, you know, as she stated at the end of the first session, she left home because she made a promise to Adonis to help him find what he's looking for, uh, the information that he's seeking which I don't believe has been revealed to the uh, rest of the party or the audience yet. And so we're going to keep nope. it that way. Yeah. So we're going to keep it that way. Uh, so she left home to keep her promise to help him find that information, but that doesn't mean she has to necessarily grow along the way. I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but she's a wizard. She, she can, she could stay exactly as she is all the way up to level 20 and, I'm sure even back to Mer Matt Mercer, I'm sure even he would be like, yeah, no, that sounds like a wizard. <laughs> uh, on the other side of that, though, um, she could not only come out of her shell, she could completely. Uh, she could completely obliterate her shell and. Being being a wizard, she has the potential to overtake you know, as I stated earlier, she has the potential to overtake Theron as a possible, you know, quote unquote, face of the party. Oh, uh, what kind of horse shit is that? I went through the tube, but I didn't get the portal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did we hit each other? Uh, not that I saw. Okay. Um, yeah, popular uh, podcast that I, I like to listen to. Uh... The wizard was was definitely the face of the party, and it was quite entertaining. But uh, I know the charisma kind of builds into that, uh, and and wizards like to be charismatic, especially when they start casting fireballs around. Uh, so I didn't ask how big the room was. I said I cast fireball. <laughs> exactly. Um, so typically, so... the charisma based classes will more often than not become the face of the party, your bards, your paladins, uh, your sorcerers. Yeah, sorcerers. Depending on the warlock, they can. And uh, if you don't have any charisma-based classes, sometimes the rogue can, especially if they're a swashbuckling rogue, because uh, rogues are based off of dexterity and intelligence. Uh, it'll tell you that in the player's handbook itself, all their abilities, most of their abilities use that swashbuckling rogues take all that throw it out the window and they're like yeah you're charisma based now what up <laughs> um and then if you don't have a rogue more often than not it'll fall to a uh it'll probably fall to a wizard where the hell is the hole uh it is very far back uh actually no to you it's it's nope not yet yeah, not that way <laughs> Oh, you said back, so I, oh, it's right there. It's it's behind a pillar to you. It's on your left, kind of. Yeah. Uh, what did uh, what did Sam say? I don't. Nightbot. I'm not sure. Nightbot. Spamming symbols. I have no idea. 
Swath Captain Swathers. That's right. That was another piece of artwork Sam had uh, done for me personally. We were just fucking around one day. She's like, I don't know what to draw. I said, draw a bird person who's a parrot with a peg leg and he's a pirate and his name is Captain Swathers. And so I was, she's like, why do you want this? I said, I don't know. I'm just trying to throw stupid ideas for you so you have something to draw. And it came out beautiful. I was like, oh, that's that's one of my new characters right there. That's uh, Captain Swathers. Oh my god. <laughs> I have Can't yet to, to decide what one. he is, but he's uh he's gonna be a lot of fun when I play him. No. Can't uh the problem is figuring out what race he is because um he's a parrot, so he looks like an Aracocra. Sure. Which is which is the bird people, but he has no wings. His wings turn into his hands, and that's a trait of Kenku, which is the raven folk who cannot fly. Oh, so interesting. So I'm I'm kind of stuck on what race he is. Huh. I guess that's uh that's something to look forward to as a as a team. Imagine, Imagine if he had a pet parrot. That's called parrot slavery, Sam. <laughs> wow. It's called same race slavery. How dare no, I'm kidding. Parrots How did I just and launch that over the map. Parrots <laughs> and Aracocra are vastly different. But they can be cousins, and you know, I mean, distant cousins. Um, so Penelope, finally, yeah. To, what, to, what's the TLDR? What do you think? Where do you think Penelope's going to end up? Penelope is a coin toss, and that I think the biggest factor is obviously going to be herself. Uh, but Adonis might play into that because he's the reason she's adventuring now. So he might be a determining factor and this is all speculation on me personally but he may be a factor in what determines what direction she goes could you say he's the reason for the teardrops on her guitar uh sure mr making references i don't understand <laughs> it's taylor swift oh <laughs> uh, yeah death metal all the way i don't um I just lost inspiration for the next. Uh... Nah. <laughs> Penelope of the elements. Penelope gives me earth vibes. She's very stuck in her ways. She's very, very rooted, very difficult to move. I see. I see. So you think she's going to stay kind of as is throughout the campaign then? Uh, No, not. I can't say yes, I can't say no. Like I said, she's a coin toss. Just currently, she's very stuck in her ways, so that's why she makes me think of, you know, Earth. Hmm. And then I guess we can move on to Adonis then. Adonis. The chap. So Adonis. Adonis, Adonis, Adonis. Adonis is currently both the easiest and the hardest person to write for. <laughs> Adonis is the easiest person to write for because I know what he's looking for. I know what he wants. I know how he needs to get it. I know what he will do to get it. And mm. I know what will happen in order for him to get it and what happens once he gets it. What I do not know is what will happen after that. 
Adonis is who we saved each other there. Yeah. After you, Adonis is currently the wild card in the party. You know, Cloak is the enigma of the party in that I don't really know anything about him. So we don't really know what he's capable of and what he can do. But Adonis is the wild card because we know exactly what he can do. We know exactly what he's capable of. We don't know the why. We don't know the what. We don't know the when. So Adonis is very wild cardy in that once he gets what he's looking for, what then? <laughs> what do? Interesting. Okay, I see. Adonis. Adonis reminds me of. Adonis reminds me of the wind. Adonis is very. He's also very free. Very. I go where I need to go. But unlike Cloak, who just kind of wanders simply for the sake of wandering, you know, where. I guess I would have to switch them. Cloak is very much like the wind in that he goes where he needs to go and he just goes. Adonis is very much like water, much like rivers. They just go, but they go on a set path. And so where I think Adonis can wind up at the end... Yeah, Gengar is very, or Cloak is very go with the flow, very go with the wind flow. Adonis is go with the water flow. <laughs> the, my path is already set, I just have to follow it. Cloak is the, where am I sleeping tonight? This is a good spot. <laughs> right here works for me. Um, so, Adonis uh, could potentially turn into. Adonis, I kind of see three paths laid out before Adonis as possible where he'll wind up storyline endings sort of deal. He could turn into the Captain America. He could be, you know, the protector, the defender, the I look out for those who can't look out for themselves. He could turn into someone like Wolverine, who's very, you know, I'm a protector but not because I want to be. And because I don't want to be, I'm very aggressive about it. Or he could just turn into the standard mercenary. You know, I just go where I go. If you got the money, I'll do what you need me to do. Sure. Okay, so... There uh, is, actually, sorry to cut you off, but there is a fourth... A fourth possibility on the line for him. However, that plays into that plays into some storyline that not storyline that plays into his race and his sub race, and so that cannot be discussed at the moment. But I'd want it to show on record that there is a fourth option for him that not many people will probably see coming. Interesting. Okay, a little bit of mystique. I like it. I like it. Well, anyway, thank you again for uh, appearing on the show, the very first one. Hopefully, we'll have these intermittently throughout the campaign so that we can get uh, different characters on, maybe multiple at one time. 
um, kind of see how they feel about their character development and, and where we progress through the story. Um, but that's the goal for this podcast. So uh, we will see everyone very soon. Uh, is the plan still? Um, are we are we having a session this week? You know what? That is the question, isn't it? I It is the question. I think I can manage it because I've been been more mobile. I'm out of the cast in a boot. Uh, I think I can manage it. Uh, so it's going to depend on everyone else. We will work that out behind the scenes. Uh, either way, come give this boy a follow. He just got his doctorate and he needs all the viewers he can get. <laughs> Dr. Rockets over here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> check your prostate with a laser from outer space. That would be, I, hmm, someone's probably going to fund that. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks everyone for watching. I have uh, got my, my final, um, what's it called? Final song kind of planned for this, but we will be uh, staying live um to continue the stream uh i don't know what we'll be playing after this but um just uh just hanging out uh that again is twitch.tv forward slash shadow rockets s-h-a-d-o-w-r-c-k-t-s uh you can catch um me monday wednesday friday but also the half luck streams are on here um before they're on spotify and unedited uh, and then uh, the other half podcasts are also streamed live here first. Twitch All complete first. with beards. Absolutely. <laughs> complete with beards. Uh, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we will see you. Actually, one, one final question. Question for you, Mr. Host. Oh, no. Who is your next guest that you have planned for Half Luck? Uh, whoever I can ask and, and get on, I'd love to have uh, V on next time. I think that would be interesting. Or Adonis, uh, uh, or Gengar, or, or Gengar. you again. You know, everyone. <laughs> I think I am going to... Ooh, I'm going to start a probably a mean tradition with Half Luck, but as the guest, I'm going to nominate the next guest. Okay. I think your next guest, possibly next week after this session... Uh, should be our official half luck artist, Sam. Whoa, curveball. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, calling Sam out for the next, the other half. Sam, we'll see you next time in the Thunderdome. Oh. And if you don't like it, Sam, you can just fight me to the death. It's true. It is a death death match uh, with D20s. Um, so it will be a very <laughs> slow death. D20 <laughs> will keep anyone away if you throw it hard enough. Mm -hmm.